<laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm here with the great Mark Einhaus from Media Hero. How are you, Mark? Hey, Michael. I'm doing well. How are you doing this morning? <laughs> Everything's good, man. Thanks so much for being on with us today. We're going to give people some great photo tips and maybe some ideas for video concepts because photography is so important in today's society. I've never seen anything like it. I never thought I'd be worried about things like pixels and ratios and and uh, light sources and stuff like this. Light sources probably, but uh, photography's gotten really, really sophisticated, yeah? Well, yeah, you know, it's interesting because back when I started in photography, it was uh, the film world. And uh, you were able to go to the lab with all of your work and the lab would take care of much of what now we have to take care of digitally. And vice versa, you know, uh, or the converse is true. I just got a new iPhone uh, 8. I'll, I'll date this uh, segment because we know technology is moving so fast. People will be able to tell exactly when this video was recorded. I just got a new iPhone 8 with something called a portrait setting, which allows you to fuzz up the backgrounds, which yeah. you have to swap out your lenses and use a telephoto lens to do that. And now yeah. it's setting on an iPhone. Is that crazy? I, and it is crazy, but you know what? I, I love my portrait lens. <laughs> <laughs> I love it too. So uh, here's what we'll do. Um, first of all, you're at uh, MediaHero.com, correct? That's right. And we met through uh, Rotary where we did uh, some events together, and I thought you were so professional and so on top of it. You know, there's a lot of good photographers out there, but you're also really good at customer service. And I wanted to, uh, I've been promoting your business since then. I think you're terrific. Thank you. I appreciate that. My pleasure. So what we're going to do for people today is, uh, is give them some photography tips along with a couple of really uh, high-end strategies that they can use to take their marketing game to another level. Because a lot of people are taking pictures now way beyond the selfie stage. You know, we're actually... Mm -hmm marketing products. There's a lot of YouTubers who are doing affiliate work and that sort of yeah. thing. So we're going to help all those people today. Before we begin, yes. who is your favorite photographer? Well, you know, uh, there's not one person that I consider my favorite, but I have a couple of faves. So I'm going to tell you who they are. Uh, number one is Dwayne Michaels. And Dwayne Michaels, I don't know, many of these people uh, the common person may not know, but you know, some you will. Dwayne Michaels likes putting words with photos. So he will take, many of them are black and white, and underneath them, he'll write part of a story that goes with them. And much of them have to do with a dreamlike state. And it's really, really, and I was fortunate enough to actually meet him on my birthday while I was at school at Western Michigan University. And all the photographers had prints up on the wall and he made a comment on one of my photos out of all of the hundreds that were there. I was going, yeah, that just made my day. Man. Nice. How cool is that? Yeah. Dwayne is an older guy. Is he? He's a yes. Yes. He's probably eighties, maybe nineties now. Okay. Um, yeah, he, he, and he does professional work too. He did um, album covers for like the police and a lot of other artists in the eighties as well. Okay. Very good. And did you say you had another one that you wanted to mention? Well, I, I would say, and I won't say too much about these other folks, but they're uh, Lucas Samaras, who does, um, he works with photography in a different manner, not very traditional. Man Ray, who was part of the surrealistic movie, movement back in the, the, the teens and the 20s. Um, David Hockney, because he made 
uh, photo mosaics really relevant. He's more of a painter, but the way that he worked with photography was he created these beautiful photo mosaics. Wow. Uh, Stanley Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick started as a photojournalist. And he is, of course, one of my fave um, uh, directors, too. So um, I kind of like, I really can relate to the way that he came up in the business and how he went and transitioned into the, uh, into the film world. Didn't he have uh, a very famous uh, iconic image? It was a, a frozen hand coming out of the snow, I think, in Korea. Mm. A dead soldier or something. I think this is the guy. It might even be called the Black Hand or something like this. Right. Well, and that's what he, you know, back in the, the 50s and the 40s, you know, when he was just getting into the business, he was a journalist, you know, and a street photographer. Yeah. And then yeah. Helmut Newton and uh, Joel Meyerowitz. All of those guys. So all of them, when I aspire to be a photographer, those are the guys who I'm thinking of. Excellent. And we talk about uh, people that we aspire to or people that we uh, admire because every time you take a photograph, you have a chance to be more professional. You have a chance to model one of their techniques. Even if you don't have their gear, you can model mm -hmm. one of their techniques. And let's get into some of those techniques now. Let's mm -hmm. start with some basic tips. Then we'll have some fun with some... Uh, I call them tips for stupid people or tips for people <laughs> who just aren't thinking when they take photographs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of those silly ones. But let's start with yeah. some academic tips, the kind that you share with your students. Let's talk about light source, Mark. Very important, yeah? Yeah, well, you always should consider exactly where your light source is coming from and what your primary light source is. And, for example, a, a simple um, one would, let's just say that you're out and you're hanging with your pals and you're in a bar and the light is coming from up above and it's a really, really high contrast light. You have to consider, do you really want that to be your light source or where can I have a better light source if I want to take a better photograph? And you just, and, and I think that's really what you really need to consider. What is that primary light source that is lighting your primary subject? So if you don't mind, we'll play a little ping pong here. I know a little bit about photography. I'm not a professional like you are, but an overhead stark direct light source creates shadows in the face because of the brow or the hair, right? Yes. And, and there's only one thing worse than overhead light, and that's light from underneath, which can make you look ghastly. Oh, right. And, and if they're really hard light sources or they create the shadows, as you say, um, uh, then you're creating an attitude when you may be creating an emotion that you may not want to communicate. That's right. Because it instantly creates, well, what we used to call in the photo business, that light from behind, that's like the Frankenstein light, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like coming up and it's, you see that in the old uh, horror movies of like lighting the monster. <laughs> the other thing that you mentioned is a key word. It kind of, if you're, if you're not listening carefully at home, everybody, or at work, that word got by you quickly, and the word is primary light source. And the reason Mark mentions primary is because the best photographs seem to have multiple light sources. When I was in theater class, we talked about something called the key light, which comes yes. from the front. Then there's, yes. a, then there's, I don't know the technical names, but there's a backlight. We call that a kicker sometimes. Kicker, okay. Yeah. And there's a side fill or something? Yep, a fill light over on the side, yes. What'd you call it? Phil, you're right, a film light, yeah. Very good. And so yeah. what happens when you have those three lights complementing each other, and by the way, right. they're, they're, they're hardly ever the exact same intensity because they have different yeah. roles. Yeah. Um, 
so uh, when there are multiple, now most of us who shoot with iPhone cameras or Android cameras, Mark, we're not, mm -hmm. we're not really fooling around with multiple light sources. But, mm -hmm. but once this is inside your head, man, you just start thinking about it all the time. Oh, my God. And it's constantly. Oh, my God. It's well, that's what my life is right there. It's like even setting up for this. I wanted to make sure that I lit myself well before I, you know, sure. got on camera here. Let's talk about an old tradition in photography, which is say cheese. Or yeah. Smile. Yeah. Yeah. He told me one time that he thought the smile was the weirdest thing we do in the, in the, in the tradition of photography because it, it warps the face in unnatural ways. Yeah. That we just love it when we're smiling, taking a photograph. Yeah. Your tricks for getting a natural smile. Well, uh, what was really handy is being very involved with, especially when it's a portrait type of a setting, you're very involved with whom your subject is. Yeah. And you want to make them feel as comfortable and relaxed as possible. And I want to try to get people to smile. But what I find, it's not the biggest part of the smile that is what I'm interested in. I'm interested in right before the smile and right after the smile when it's real. Yeah. And it's about the conversation. Uh, often I like to have another person that's in the room with me, especially if it's someone that knows the person whom I'm photographing, that they can talk to the person. Because when you are speaking and someone is taking your photograph, it's very hard to get a good photograph of someone speaking. And, and then it's like mouth open, you know. You know what that's like because you have plenty of those of you, I'm sure. Well, watch, just watch my mouth as I talk right now in slow motion. I got a million photos of me doing this. <laughs> right, you know. right, right. But if you'd ask me if I ever did that during a talk, I'd say, hell no, they look stupid. But I yeah. got a million photos of me doing it because that's yeah. the flash of a second where it happens, yeah. But getting back to... I just want to say one other thing relative to uh, that, that portrait type of, uh, of photography is um, you have someone become very natural when they're, they're just speaking and they start to become more comfortable about who they are and you get a much truer representation, a portrait of somebody in that way. Uh, sorry, so I'm missing the main part. Are you saying after they get, get going with their talk? Yes, and they're not even talking. They're reacting to somebody else speaking, yeah. really. And that's what it is. I you how many events I've been at where somebody gets up to speak, especially famous people or mm -hmm. the, head, the head of the FBI come talk to a group, of, uh, a group recently, and everybody yeah. take a picture in the first few seconds. Well, the head of the FBI is nervous, believe it or yeah. not. Right. He's not himself yet. He's, he's adjusting. He's going to be a much yeah. more natural photo a few minutes in. I like mm -hmm. to I like to think about the VU meter in the room. When do people laugh? When's the first big joke and the needle goes up? Because that's when the temperature of the room uh, yes. warms up. I should say warms up a little bit. Right. Photographs become much, much easier to take. Bravo. Good tip, man. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the rule of thirds. Well, yeah. You know, you, when you're composing an image and you're looking through the lens or maybe even looking through your iPhone, you're thinking of of dividing the frame into three equal parts and then positioning whatever your main subject is relative to that rule of thirds. So for example, you can even see where I'm placed in the frame. I specifically placed myself on the left third because I wanted to make sure that that's where I positioned myself. A little bit more interesting rather than just centered in the frame. Yeah. A landscape, 
you would want to have the sky either at the top third or you want the horizon on the bottom third, not square in the middle of the photograph. And yes. if there was a tree and that was going, or another subject matter, or maybe it's a friend of yours who's taking a photograph on a big landscape, then you just put them over to the right or left third of, of the image. And then you have a little bit more of a dynamic composition. Excellent. So what we're talking about, everybody, are these imaginary lines. And some phones actually give you grids when you're taking uh -huh. the photograph so you can keep the axis straight. Yes. Imagine a rule of thirds so you're getting, I don't know. Yeah. It's a little bit difficult to, to demonstrate like this. Yep. There it is about like that. When and here I'm over this there. Photographers, amateur photographers cannot think about thirds when they're trying to take a photograph. So if you, if you find that this is beyond your scope or ability, focus on, focus on this instead. Halves and never have the subject centered exactly in the screen mark right because the symmetry is boring correct well it's not yeah it's not interesting right so watch i'm directly in the center right now and it's not a bad looking frame but something becomes a little bit more interesting and you could argue about which one's more appealing and then you start worrying about what's on the credenza behind me but the general thing is i would move off of center just a little bit and that's a, another way to look at composition and dividing the frame a little bit so that it's more appealing to the eyes. And Creates just a little bit of tension, and that's yeah. really important. Creating just a little bit of attention, not attention, but tension, to a, it becomes much more of a, a evocative image. Because tension creates attention. Right, yeah, it really does. Okay, so related to this idea of thirds, which again could be horizontal, but could be uh -huh. vertical as well, Mm -hmm. You um, are fond, that we talked about this in our, uh, our pregame, about this idea of a story at a glance, which is partly through composition, but, but yeah. you want people to watch a, look at a photograph and be able to tell almost instantly what's happening. You don't have to want to get out a decoder ring to figure out a simple photograph. That's right. You know, keeping it simple is very important. Um, and you want to look through your camera or through the viewfinder and see what's in the frame and making sure whatever your subject is very easy for a viewer to determine in less than a half of a second. So you know, the way to do this is the background of the photo. A lot of people want to photograph in front of a sign. If you're at an event or a landmark, you know, you'd, you'd have a, something in the background that would say where you're at. If you're at mm -hmm. the Eiffel Tower, for God's sake, you want the Eiffel Tower in the frame someplace. Well, certainly. So you have to determine, is this a picture of your friend or is this a picture of the Eiffel Tower? So that becomes a determining factor in that uh, point of view. And, and it's okay if it's a picture of the Eiffel Tower, but if you want your friend to be the subject, you bring your friend and you get their face and still get the Eiffel Tower in the shot in the background. So here's a concept. You mentioned primary light source a minute ago. What about primary subject in the composition of the frame? You can yes. take a picture of both the Eiffel Tower and your yes. friend, but yes. your friend is the primary subject. The Eiffel Tower yeah. is secondary to the, to the main part of the, the main image, of, uh, message of the image, yeah? yeah? Yes, but together they create the whole story. And you know what? Then you can very easily read that story at that point is that this is a picture of my friend in Paris. And you put that together in less than a half of a second because the Eiffel Tower is just such an amazing symbol. Oh, yeah. And if, 
and if it's a friend, you're going to assume it's a friend. And the only other op opportunity within framing and photography would be, now where do I need to put my camera to get all of that? So you might have to get down lower. Move your camera around. It's okay. Yeah. It doesn't need to be right where your eye level is. Get down. Get a worm's eye view. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so we're going to get into uh, ideas for, uh, that, that probably we shouldn't have to talk about, but for some reason we got a, we have a low standard in the world of amateur photography, so we're going to talk about stuff that should be obvious. Yeah, you know, yeah. Of one of them just now, so many times we're, we're taking a picture and there's a big group of people, and we mm -hmm. start moving the group around to suit mm -hmm. the cameraman or the camera person. It's much mm -hmm. for the camera person to move, and mm -hmm. the group's there, especially if you've got them positioned. Mm -hmm. You probably have a lot more experience with this than I do. Well, yeah, and it's nice as, when you're talking about like a large group dynamic, for example. And, you know, I, I always say it's like if you can't see the camera, you're not in the shot. Yeah. And so that becomes a large determining factor of getting it if you want your face in the shot. Some people just don't want to have their face in the shot, so they'll hide behind a head. Yeah, but then that, that's you make sure up higher or you get to need you need to get yourself up higher so you can see everybody's face. And then you can, you can boss people around and go, no, you go over there, you go over there. That actually becomes part of the interest in those dynamics, in all honesty, is because I think people really want to be told where to go. <laughs> I know some people do want to be told where to go. I know some people that need to be told where to go. Um, let's talk about uh, why anybody on planet Earth would ever post a photo of someone with their eyes closed. Well, it, I think an important part of posting photos is that you should, you should not post everything. Um, you should edit yourself, and you should know and understand that actually less is more. I never post everything, only because I know that I may lose an attention span. Yeah. And I want to make sure that when I do post something, it's something that I hold up to my standard. And that's very important, especially while that's what my business is. And I need to make sure that I uh, hold true to what my own standards are. But I think that uh, from a point of view of just a regular person, um, you don't have to post everything. If you're on a trip with your friends somewhere, pick the best three or four and post those. And you probably are telling the story just as effectively. So a good companion rule to Mark's don't post everything is take several shots so that you have something to choose from. Even if you're yeah. just taking a simple photo of somebody smiling, take yeah. two, three or four, especially if you don't have time to, to check the uh, frame to mm -hmm. see that they didn't blink. And I know you have a habit of doing this. You check right away to see if they blink because you want to know what's in the bank. Mm -hmm. Yes. So yeah, yeah. If you didn't take multiple photos, you only have one. I remember, Mark, one time I was... Uh, outside a, uh, a club at Halloween and mm -hmm. was in costume and in the crazy scene out front there was a nun a, a nun a guy dressed as a nun who was smoking there was a man dressed as spider-man and he was arguing with a man dressed as a policeman that's great the top was real uh-huh and I, and I didn't have time to take multiple shots of it it's not a very uh -huh. good frame but I only had one man, and I wish I would have had a chance to take two or three more. Well, those editorial moments are really priceless. There's no questions. You bet. Tell us about food, the best, uh, best pr practices for shooting food. Well, uh, hire a food stylist. <laughs> That's what I would say. The best way to take a good shot is like one thing that I think is, uh, I, I can't believe that I see this. It's like, 
people taking photos of their half-eaten food, yeah. for example, which is like a pet peeve. It's like, I see that, and it's like, oh, my Lord. And they're not considering the primary light source. Yeah. And, you know, food. Look, the, food is, the food is where it is. It's not going yeah. anywhere, right? You're not yeah. going out of your chair to shoot it. So yeah. It's, it's interesting. Um, the other thing, somebody told me one time, I thought it was great advice. They said, they said, never take a photograph without a person in it. Now, I don't know about ever, but it gives it context. You know, a plate of food with someone smiling next to it, or you can uh-huh. tell who it is, you know, or you can tell who yeah. you ate with that night. Yeah. That really, because photographs are supposed to live on, and you'll look back at that creme brulee, creme brulee uh, four years from now, and you go, why mm-hmm. do I have 80 photos of creme brulee, you know? I don't mm-hmm. remember who I was with, I don't remember the rest of it. Right. And, and you know, another trick I've been doing, I've been holding up, if I had a, the menu, I'll, I'll hold the, because you can't get a signage in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. But the menu will tell you where you're at. That's in right. Well, that's all for context, absolutely. Okay. But you know, well, the, the relative to having a a person in the shot, it all depends on what the story it is that you're trying to tell, of course, too. You bet. And let's get to that. So we're going to give some strategies now that will. If you're a YouTuber, YouTuber, listen up. If you're uh, representing a brand or a product or a service on uh, on your face company's Facebook page, listen up. Mark's going to give you some million-dollar consulting advice right now. Let's go back to this idea of the frame. You know how they do in the movie business, the frame. Right, sure, absolutely. Let's talk about the frame as a, uh, a story because you have a concept about this, right? You, you, you say every, every photo should tell a story. Every photo should tell a story, and it doesn't matter how large or how small the story is, is that you should be able to see it very quickly. And you don't need to put many things in a photograph to tell that story. When it's relative to, to the brand, it needs to be relative to what is the brand's story, what is the brand's culture, and making sure that you stay within the strategy of what the brand's culture and story needs to tell. It may only need to tell a part of the story, and that becomes part of the strategy as well. You need to understand where is this going to live? Is it going to live as a, a, as a social media post? Is it going to live a little bit larger um, on a billboard outdoor? Is it actually going to find its way into some broadcast media somewhere? Where is it going to live? And you really have to be cognizant of that with every opportunity of shooting and capturing is knowing that primary source of where someone is going to view it and respond to it. Yeah, and you know, uh, where it's going to live, it's a very specific question because you just yeah. can't say social media because the banners on, on various social media, like the Twitter flag is a lot longer than the, fa- or the what do you call it, the, the uh, cover photo on Facebook. Right. It's shape than the one on Twitter, right? Yeah, yes. Right. Well, and the shooting, you have to make sure if you know, for example, if, if a client hires me, and they tell me that they want to have multiple use of this, living on various um, uh, media outlets. It's telling me that I have to make sure that I shoot enough of the frame that I can crop in or I can use the whole, the whole image, and it's going to work for everything that they can possibly think of, whether it's cropping into just a little square that's on the shot, the banner, or... Um, telling a story that's going to be part of maybe a magazine ad. 
Yeah, yeah, I love it. Let's talk about another trick that, that we've been using on social. So if you think about the average headshot, the dimension mm -hmm. or ratio of that headshot is a longer dimension yes. this way than it is on the length than it yep. is on the width. Yeah, four by five, typically speaking. There you go. So you know all the numbers. But, but if you take a shot that looks like this on Twitter, mm -hmm. this ratio, mm -hmm. or, or social, yeah. what happens is when you post to the timeline, you, 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 your, your post will take up more real estate on the mm -hmm. timeline. It's harder mm -hmm. to ignore a photo that's mm -hmm. shaped like this than mm -hmm. shaped like this. Mm -hmm. And so if you're promoting something, and I've seen some of the top uh, speakers, Gary Vee does this all the time, that's how the photo's taken. And he can yeah. get inches on a timeline just like that. It's pretty clever. So where the photo will live is Mark's advice. Think about that. Yeah, and then I think that's really, when you know where it's going to go, use that space to your 100% advantage. You know, if you need to put something relative to your brand that's behind you, that's telling part of the story, make sure that it's in the frame so it's, it's telling that part of the story that you need to tell. I love like, it. I have behind me, there's a really old time eight millimeter photo projector, you know? Okay. So it's telling a little bit of a story about me and um, relative to my interest in film. You bet. I can tell also you're a, I can't actually, is it, is it right in the crease of the, the corner there? Yes, it's like okay. right over my shoulder right here. It wasn't apparent what it was. It's really small. But yeah. I got that you're a creative person with the music stand, the, the acoustic guitar, the piano. Mm -hmm. And uh, by the way, my frame, uh, I, my company is called Edison House, right? And I'm a consultant. Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to bring ideas to companies. So guess what I have in the upper corner? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a light bulb. And once in a while, I forget to turn the, the light on. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's a dimly lit bulb, and I got to be careful about that. <laughs> I got my image, man, a dimly lit bulb. <laughs> What's up, Mark? This has been fantastic. Thank you so much. It's Mark. Um, Mark Einhaus, everybody, E-I-N-H-A-U-S, and his company is MediaHero.com. He lives in southeastern Michigan, but uh, he's available for hire. He's a terrific person to have on your team. Mark, let's close with um, something about brand content and how photos, not just a photo, but a series of photos, a series of videos, everything's supposed to tie together somehow. Can you talk about that? Yeah, well, whatever your brand story is, and you, you're looking to make sure that you speak to all of those points as well as you possibly can. And it's really good to, you know, I really like collaborating with people, and much of my work is a direct collaboration with an art director or someone who owns the, who owns the business, and you're making sure that you you tell that story as cleanly and clearly as possible with image content or video content. Yeah. And everybody is happy really when you end up creating that collaboration. And because I'm such a people person, I really uh, like all of that collaboration and the creative that comes out of it. You may start at one point and you can still stay to the message and move beyond what you're originally talking about on the day of the shoot because you see something is happening that is really it's a happy accident sure. and, and it makes a story even stronger well it's kismet right everybody's looking for projects and collaborations where two plus two equals five 
Mm -hmm. Keep your eyes open for the rules we talked about today. And you think about telling stories with your images and using images to create a marketing campaign. It's actually image marketing. It's a double entendre, right? Image yeah. marketing. You're marketing your image mm -hmm. through graphs that you take with simple phones all the time. Mm -hmm. Pay attention. Do a little yeah. bit better with what, we're, what we've got going. And, 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 of course, a rising tide raises all boats. Yes. Yes, exactly. Mark, you're fantastic. I know that we're thinking about doing some things together. I can't wait to get started. Hey, everybody. It's Mark Einhaus at MediaHero.com on the web. And you're mm -hmm. all over social as well. Not too hard to find, that's for sure. That's right. Mark, thanks yeah. for being with me today. Michael, I appreciate it. It was, it was a lot of fun. Listen, if you like this video, be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel. And you can also check out the various uh, playlists there. This is going to be in the interviews playlist. We have one of highlights. We have one about uh, selling. And uh, there's lots to choose from. So let's all be better people starting today, everybody. See you, Mark. Take it easy. Have a great day.